2: shine football fans. Welcome to morning footy. We are halfway through the week. Let's do it. I'm Susanna Collins. That's Nico Cantor. Jordan Angeli at the desk today. We have Alexis Guerrero. Ali Trost-Martin with some headlines. Welcome Jordan. Thank you. How you doing here? Yeah, I'm doing great. It's awesome. Wednesday, I
3: feel like this is you know, I, I help you guys. I reset you halfway through the week. Yes. Keep you going.
4: Readjust the energy. Yes.
3: Mm-hmm. So you're welcome, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Can I say something?
2: Yes. I like
4: it. The women constantly crush the outfits. And I Thank feel like, you, Nico. I just feel that like women's fashion is much more cooler than men's fashion. Just, well, I like, feel like there's more be
2: variation. Because yeah. you know, Jordan, <laughs> we walked in this morning, and she was like, we could not be on more different planes mm-hmm. in terms of the fashion yeah. spec." I'm going very sporty spice today. Yeah. yeah. And you are, what is that? a That's a Diane? A Diane yes. Von Furstenberg? It classic is. Classic.
0: Uh, is that the lady who invented super the Super polished.
2: Ra- wow.
3: Wow. I mean, I
0: let's, let's just give snow. it up for
2: him.
3: This is an started. early clap, early clap.
0: One of the, one of the main investors in the Highline in New York City as well. Wow. Thank you, Dr. Yeah, Don I Don felt customer. like,
2: is it fall yet? I don't know. It, it's, this dress it's, is. We're straddling. We're
5: yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah we're so I'm, wearing, we're straddling. I'm wearing a
4: jean jacket. <laughs> and you're wearing I'm wearing a button. also
2: because it's negative 25 degrees yeah. in this studio. Yeah, so. we'll see how I feel. in. Yeah, but this, thank you, Nico. That was so
3: nice. Yes,
4: I think you guys could.
2: I love this. This is very, Thanks. this is like, do you know what? It's very... um I feel like it's very nautical. northeast and nautical. Yes, it, you know, and is. we're on the water. Our it's studio very, is on the water.
0: very
4: topsiders. Yeah.
0: He
2: actually a, came here on his boat this morning. I, I,
0: right. I, I, you could I feel like
4: the guy in SNL that does the skate about the boat, that he owns a boat. I'm thinking about that, yeah. I'm, I'm, it I'm that learning. I'm, I'm growing into the northeast vibe.
2: I can, you know, I feel yeah. like the Miami, the Miami's still there. I, that's never. There. That's not going anywhere. I'll, but,
4: I'll, always a little callback to Miami. My tight pants are are callback to you Did
2: you go out on boat in Miami, a lot. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I yeah. can't believe okay. you even
0: had to ask that question. <laughs> You've met him before. Of course,
4: he's I don't,
2: I don't, well, a thing. Boat culture is, dif- is, yeah, you know, it's, it's different. It, and and it's
4: different. all year round. And as soon, you gotta get a friend that has a boat or something. We didn't have a boat. I've like, I I been searching for a friend with a boat
2: since really? I've been in the Northeast. I'm uh, like, when? <laughs> how do I find a friend with a boat? I,
4: th- I think I found. If one. somebody okay. was like,
2: oh, you well, want to go in a boat and be like, I'm
0: bringing an air tag. Because I don't trust you. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm sending that my location to my family a few minutes. Okay.
2: Not at all. Wow. Um, all right, guys. Let's get into some soccer, shall we? The big game yesterday, the U.S. taking on Oman in an international friendly at Allianz Field in St. Paul, Minnesota. Let's get to the highlights from last night. And we wanted this. We willed it into existence, Alexis, I feel like.
0: Absolutely. We, we asked Faleron Balligan, does he need to show up? Is it too early? Who cares? He showed up in the 13th minute, pokes it in. Not necessarily a poacher's goal. I think Weston McKinney really is what shine there. And then you've got Brendan Aronson. Set a free kick directly into the wall, but they parted like the Red Sea. And boom, goal goes in. Uh, Shouts to Brendan Aronson came in and Ricardo Pepe once again, six goals, six appearances. He comes off the bench. He's a bucket.
2: That goal was so... Loved yeah. to see it. It was so good. Love to see it. So the U.S. post another shutout. Uh, they're now unbeaten, I think, in their last 13 matches. We talked yesterday about wanting to see some changes from Berhalter in that starting 11. And I, we got it, Jordan. Mm-hmm. We, we saw Miles Robinson in the back. We saw Christopher Lund. We saw Malik Tillman. What did you think of those adjustments and how it affected the way they played? I think the
3: adjustments were good. I thought just overall the U.S. looked a lot more on the front foot, more aggressive in their, their presence in the way that they started the game. I thought Lund specifically and Tillman were – really good I-, I liked Tillman in the midfield I felt like he was finding the right pockets of space he was getting on the ball when he needed to um, to help progress he would win some really good tackles so I, I know that um, that's a that's a crowded area to try to work your way into but I thought he held his own and looked really good granted the competition I think is not going to ask as much out of you but he had 91% passing five recoveries really looked good in that space um, so I would say him and Lund, out of the the changes, were really the two that stood out for me.
0: Yeah, Lund, I I loved loved him. I yeah. loved the way he plays the game. I love his you know attacking, penetrating runs. I love his ability to keep the ball. I also love this new. Don't pass away from the pressure, almost pass mm-hmm. through the pressure. He seemed to really follow that. He was trying to find runs in behind mm-hmm. the back line. Even when they weren't coming, he was continuing to do them, draw defenders out. I really like what I saw from Lund. Malik Tillman proved he can do the, he can do the job. I will say it felt a little conservative in his play. Mm. I think there were moments where he could have turned and ran into space where he played the safe ball out, back to the back line. Maybe it's the key possession, but it seems to me like Had Gio Reyna been in that ten spot, he would have turned around and ran at a defender. He would have created those pressure moments. And maybe, maybe I'm just being a little too critical. But this is Oman. You know, I kind of think like if you're going to take that chance, hey, look, it's your first start. start. I get it. it. Yeah. But part of me was just uh, I'm wanting more. I want. Come on, let me see what you really got. Go after some of these defenders.
4: Mm -hmm. Am I off? Oman was miles behind Uzbekistan. Okay. Um, And we take it as a victory against Oman in a friendly where you can practice patterns of play, where you can try to solidify your idea. I think we saw a little bit more of that collectively. There were some passing triangles that were put together that was really well done yeah. in space, in traffic, like you said, Alexis. Uh, there was a lot of combinations. Malik Tillman was kind of like the nucleus between a lot of that build up. He was even dropping deep, Very deep. to, to, to mm-hmm. start new points of attack. Weston McKinney was constantly looking for that switch and it was on every time. Um, but at the end of the day, it's a win against a, a, a much inferior opponent and, and, and you move on, mm-hmm. um, Oman was very limited. They, they rarely attacked. Uh, Lund was great in the first half, and then I think he got tired in the second half. Yeah. He, he died out, he didn't have so much projection going forward. Um, and I, I, I don't know what else to take out of this. It's a game, a, I, didn't, I didn't even look at their FIFA ranking.
0: It's just it's one under Uzbekistan.
4: Yeah. I think it's or it really? 75, yeah. But Uzbekistan was miles better than Oman. They just they drew with Mexico. They, they drew with Mexico. I mean, it is what it is. When you when you watch that, I think Weston
0: McKennie stood out yeah, to he me. Was, he was the
2: player of the match for me. By
0: far. I mean, there is a maturity level that that he has reached on the pitch that I didn't see previous. There is a leadership Component. There is a will sure. the team forward component that is absolutely incredible. That I'm, I'm you're seeing this player flourish into their prime. Uh, uh, reportedly, Allegri has a new plan for Weston McKennie. Wants mm. to make him po- more part of the team, in particular because of how he's performed. Again, these are reports. These are just rumors. But because of how he's performed with the U.S. Men's National Team, you said finding he's switching sides. This dude was sending those balls. On a, on a dime yeah. in yeah. the final third. Again, it's against Oman, but this is why this, I say Malik Tillman, get in there and do the same. We, like, yeah. show me something spoke else. About we this can't all
3: be the same player. I, I'm not asking
0: to say the yeah, same, the yeah, same yeah. thing, but
4: show me that aggressiveness. Show yeah. me that creativity. When I don't remember when we were talking about this. Maybe in the March window. You can't ride the highs so high in... Mm-hmm. games when the opponent is such a low caliber. Wesson should shine against this type of opponent. Yeah. Pulisic should shine against this type of opponent. And it's great to see there's a bigger test coming up in in Germany, Yes, in Ghana, where Berhal- Berhalter's really gonna be tested, where Gio Reyna might be fit again, where you're gonna have to see patterns of play Elevated. Charlie alluded to it yesterday, I think it's difficult for these guys to switch that chip and to really come out motivated, imagine and play as if this there were points on the line against a team that you know you're going to beat in a half-empty stadium in, mm-hmm. in, in Minnesota where they couldn't even get a full crowd. I don't know. It is it is what it is to me.
3: I, I think it's taking some of those. You, you mentioned McKinney and some of the the ways that he has matured. I feel like it's more on the defensive side. When you see, think Weston McKinney is playing at his best, it's when he's chasing the ball back in transition. It's the perfect and box to box. He, but the consistency of doing that every single game, can you do that against Oman but also against Germany and win the ball back in those situations? Can they – try to stay on the same side and play through the pressure when you're playing against Germany, who's going to be more structured up the when field. the pressure is mm-hmm. higher up the field, which the first half and the second half were very different when it comes to how the U.S. played because of the different pressure. It was more of a transitional game. Um, so, yeah, you pick and choose. But I think that there were some some good performances in this one, uh, especially, you know, that's what you want to there's see. And you expect to see that moments. out of McKinney. There's,
4: there's good yeah. moments. There's good patterns of play. Yeah. This is to just... Oil the machine. Yes. This is a, an appetizer.
0: An amuse-bouche, if you will. Um, what? You, know, you don't know what an amuse-bouche oh, it's, is? Oh,
2: it's like the little tiny thing that they bring yeah. out at a fancy restaurant.
0: To, oh, like, to open your palate. Open palace. your palace. Yes. Oh. Um, yes. What's it called? An amuse-bouche.
2: Activate amuse the taste buds. Are, yeah,
0: usually, usually involving amuse. a lot of acid. Mm. Yes. Kind of cleanses it. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Okay, so right. if, you're, if you're Greg Berhalter and you're looking ahead to your upcoming matches against Germany and Ghana, and you, what are the big takeaways for him from these two matches? I mean, are there guys that you think have put themselves in a good position?
0: I think Lund deserves yeah, another, another shot. Yeah, another look? Yeah, I think, he, I, for, I wanna see more. Um, Serginho Dest, you know, to me, proves that he can play on that side. Proves that he's, you know, we've seen him go forward. I like his ability to get back. And to me, Weston McKenney, I know Berhalter seemingly was trying to get him a bit more central. I think he's also proved to me that maybe we should give him a shot yeah. to not have to float around as much and play a bit more central.
3: How about Ricardo Pepe? Uh, him coming in and scoring goals every single time. Let me put
0: on g- my tinfoil hat.
2: Yeah. Time. Oh,
3: right. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I liked what he did in that second half. He held up the ball. There was one time he, he tracked back, slid, tackled the ball, and created an attack from the defensive work that he did. Um, I mean, it. I don't think he's starting the next game, but I think he continues to say, hey, I am going to get minutes in every game no matter what.
4: It's great to have competition, mm-hmm. and for if Balogun isn't working in that moment, you have Pepe yep. to come on, who's very hungry. You could see, but I think Berhalter has his 11. If he were to yeah. play a game for points against a high-caliber opponent, I think we know the lineup, right? You think it's Pepe or Balligan? No, no, no. Turner, okay, Turner, Dest, uh, Richards Ream or Robinson Ream? Robinson Ream? I, I, I like McKenzie, but uh, okay, Ream. Okay, fine. Ream we don't, Robinson, don't know center back. Ream Robinson then, then, is probably uh, Anthony yeah. Rod, Jedi Robinson he on the left. Jedi. Uh-huh. Then we got uh, Musa, McKenney, uh, Musa, McKenney, Geo. Tyler we, Adams we don't, if he's healthy. Tyler Adams if he's healthy. We'll see how, but it's between those four. It's Gia, the and then the Pulisic. one and then the one's at the top, Politic, way and Balogun. It is Balogun. I love yeah, it. Yeah, right it's yeah. Right now, it seems like Berhalter likes Balogun. I think his ideal. You, 11, had, we are the closest. You know, how to how it. does that
2: make you feel? That
4: starting eleven. Great, 11? great. Good. He has a lot. Yeah, yeah, Of, yeah, of, of course. And mm. this it's great to see. On a high.
2: Yes, I like it. All right. Um, we're gonna we have an identity. We know who we are. And that, and we couldn't say that for
4: a while. After the was begging I didn't know, but
2: we're,
3: we're,
4: the, 11 is, the 11 is there. I of
2: highly course. recommend you all follow Nico on social media during matches because it is an emotional journey. It's his therapy sessions. And session. it's, it's, <laughs> it's really fun. It's on the computer. <laughs> all right, we're going to take a break. Ali Trost-Martin will be back with some headlines when we return. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. Well, this Thursday at 7 p.m. right here on the Galazzo Network, you can watch five straight Messi matches from Champions League. It's called, called Messi Conquers Europe. It's a whole lot of Messi.
0: It
4: is. <laughs> <laughs> well, he five, conquered Europe. You got to about it.
2: Five, five consecutive matches. So if, if, do you, would you watch that, Nico?
4: I would. And I, you know what? I think Messi needed one more Champions League title. Mm. Needed? Uh, he might get the Conca cap. Gadget, there it is. Becoming yeah. the goat. At this point, he didn't need anything. I think one more chance title <laughs> would have definitely helped.
2: It's a lot of messy. It's a
1: lot of messy. Uh, but we've got a lot of Allie coming up. She's got some headlines for us. Yeah, well, I think Messi's really just, he needs that U.S. Open Cup. That's really what's yeah. missing from his trophy case. But uh, let's dig in to some headlines. The 27-player roster for the U.S. women's national team's upcoming friendlies against South Africa was released yesterday. The group's headlined by veterans Megan Rapino and Julie Ertz, who are both set to play in their final matches with the uh, with the national team. Interim head coach Twyla Kilgore selected the squad that will play in the first U.S. match since the team crashed out of the World Cup in the round of 16. Forwards Mia Official and Jaden Shaw are among newcomers included, along with World Cup snubs Sam Coffey and Ashley Hatch. In international news, Gareth Southgate came to Harry Maguire's defense after England beat Scotland 3-1 yesterday. Maguire came on as a halftime substitute and scored an own goal in the 67th minute, leading to a fresh round of scrutiny for the highly criticized English defender. After the match, Southgate made his feelings about Maguire and the criticism very clear. He stated, it's a joke. I've never known a player treated like he is, not by the Scottish fans, but by our own commentators, pundits, whatever it is. They've created something beyond anything I have ever seen. He's been an absolute stalwart in the second most successful England team in decades. McGuire was reportedly close to leaving Man U earlier this summer, but a proposed transfer to West Ham fell through. He has yet to start a match for the Red Devils this season. In other international news, Ilkay Gundogan left Germany's friendly win against France with a back injury that could force him to miss time with FC Barcelona. Gundogan suffered a pelvic bruise after a hard fall in the first half of the win. Interim Germany coach Rudi Waller addressed the injury saying Gundogan bruised his back but that nothing was broken. The injury now leaves Gundogan in doubt for Barcelona's upcoming match against Real Betis on Saturday.
4: It was a pretty bad fall.
1: Oof. And one player who didn't have to worry about getting injured on international duty yesterday was Lionel Messi, who sat out Argentina's 3-0 World Cup qualifying win against Bolivia. Messi made the trip to Bolivia, but was not included in the match day roster. He came off late in their previous match against Ecuador, leading Argentina coach Lionel Scanali uh, to rest Messi, which is welcome news to enter Miami, uh, who will hope that he can appear in their match against Atlanta United coming up this weekend. And in MLS News, the New England Revolution continued to deal with the fallout of Bruce Arena's departure as head coach. The club named Clint Pay as the Revs' new interim head coach, stepping in for Richie Williams, who had been interim head coach since Arena was placed on administrative leave. The Revs also parted ways with assistant coaches Dave Van uh, Dave Vandenberg and Shaori Joseph. The moves came amid reports that Revs players refused to train yesterday after Arena's resignation as a reaction to the reports that Richie Williams was involved in the investigation uh, on, on those allegations of inappropriate comments made by Arena. Uh, this mess has just gotten a lot messier. I'm just Curious for you all, what do you make of all this for a squad, Alexis, that is currently second place in the Eastern Conference and is now having to deal with all of this fallout from a situation that we still don't really know much about?
0: I think that's the difficult part of it, is that we have no clue what's going on. Yeah. And every I did the time, players. That's, yeah, but well, that's yeah. the thing. Even every news piece that drops creates even more mystery. Now the players are sitting out of practice, reportedly. Uh, you know, people that were involved in the, ves- in the investigation, maybe they're on the team, maybe they're not. Their future is, uh, you know, sort of unresolved or unknown uh, with the team, a second interim manager. We're talking about a good team with that, good players that
2: could
3: in MLS. compete
2: for MLS Cup. Yeah, that are
0: built to compete for MLS yeah. Cup right now. That's
2: the that's the wild part about this. You hear about all this drama, and you would think it would be a team sitting in the bottom of the standings, and no, it's no. like, no, this is actually a very, very good team. If um, only we knew something. So it makes the, it the the whole situation um, mm. just. Even more perplexing.
4: Feels like there's going to be an inner Miami-New England revolution. Oh gosh, game. Nico. Just in time. Just all you. the drama
2: Love that. Um, well, for more on this, we are uh, absolutely delighted to bring in our good friend, the guy who basically broke this entire story open, Pablo Mar of the Athletic. Pablo, thank you so much for taking the time to join us this morning.
5: Yes, pleasure to be here.
2: All right, Pablo, um, if you could, yes. so much happened yesterday and the situation was was already kind of a mess. And as Ali said, it just, throughout the day, it got a little bit messier. Can you kind of walk us through the events of yesterday and what went down and when it happened?
5: Yeah, uh, Tom Bogart, who's reported this story uh, with me and I, uh, obviously reported that um, well, I mean, I guess we have to rewind a little bit even more. You know, Bruce Arena obviously had been on administrative leave, investigated for, I think, what the league uh, framed as inappropriate uh, remarks, inappropriate and insensitive remarks. Um, the interim head coach, Richie Williams, um, you know, has been in charge obviously for the League's Cup games now, uh, league games as well. Um, Tom and I reported that he, you know, some of the complaints – uh, about arena involved williams um, were in regard to to you know situations involving williams um players have sort of gathered that on their own terms you know in the past week or two things came to a head yesterday obviously uh you know the revs uh you know had a couple of meetings one with um the team president brian Bellello, another uh you know with the coaching staff itself the you know the players weren't happy with the first meeting they had early in the morning and Another meeting with the Rev's president after sort of three hours of, you know, talking to everybody at the New England Revolution. Essentially, the players still weren't satisfied with, um, you know, whatever clarity they got in regards to that situation. So they decided not to train. Um, you know, Williams himself was asked about his involvement by the players, and um, he said he couldn't comment. He told the same thing to the media later in the day. Um, you know, I suspect uh, Richie's hands might be tied there. I mean, it's the league investigation, that sort of thing. So who knows what he can even say legally, uh, you know, or, you know, what his employer is advising him to say. Um, but, you know, the bottom line is you ended up with a situation where, um, you know, it's just entirely untenable. You have uh, players refusing to take the training pitch and and a embattled coach, obviously something had to happen.
4: Pablo, so is it true that the players were really in the dark. That's the perception that we get because they've not only knew the revolution, but the league has really kept the nature of the insensitive remarks by Bruce Arena really, really under wraps.
5: Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I can tell you uh, this all broke open yesterday, but it's been something that Tom and I have both been reporting on for, for a month, um, and it's been difficult to crack. I think the the league and the revolution um, pretty probably responsibly kept the circle of people who actually understand what arena was alleged to have done very, very small. Right. And um, I myself found it almost unbelievable that players and administrators, whoever else that you would sort of like talk to about this had no idea, but realized eventually that it was true. I mean, right up until the end, there are players in the locker room saying we have no idea what's going on. Wow. You know, they, they haven't told us specifically why Bruce is suspended, you know. Um, you know, but you know how it is, man. It's a locker room and, and players talk. And the same people that talk to journalists and other people speak to players, agents, that kind of stuff. So eventually, um, you know, they, they've sort of managed to piece together a lot of the things that, that we in the media have as well. You know, so it's sort of only a matter of time before, um, you know, whatever news and information, even if it's scarce, is available, reaches the locker room. Pablo, is there
0: any inclination as to why or how this was kept so under wraps? Is it, my, my thought is that maybe it's because of, you know, Bruce's legend status for some reason that they're, maybe trying to protect his legacy to some degree, or is it uh, maybe for legalities? Uh, What is the reason how—because typically in MLS, this stuff would leak out. You guys are incredibly good reporters. Normally we'd get to the bottom of this, and even the players don't know. I'm I'm shocked that it's been uh, sort of held together this way.
5: Yeah, I mean, what I would say is Bruce Bruce has a legacy, obviously. Bruce is, almost beyond argument, the greatest coach in the history of American men's soccer, right? And I think— Um, He has a huge network of of, uh, you know, former players, coaches, you know, administrators at MLS clubs who are pretty fiercely protective of him. Um, And so, you know, people that would normally talk in situations like this probably didn't want to talk out of respect for Bruce. I also think, uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, um, the league, the club kept the circle very small on this, which sort of limits uh, options to begin with you know, i got to say, i was sort of struck the whole situation, navigating it the past couple of days, I, more than anything, I just describe it as sad. I mean, it's just yeah. like uh, a depressing thing to see, uh, you know, coaches and players, all sort of drama and lives kind of, in some ways, torn apart, at least temporarily. I mean, it's been been wild to even deal with them, yeah. you know.
3: This feels like, yes, Suze was saying, uh, maybe a team that's not in a really good position. They're second in the East. This is a team who has a game out in just a couple of days. They go to Colorado. How do you feel like they're gonna manage these next few days? Because that was a heavy day to, to do that midweek. You're about to travel. You, ha- you want to continue a little bit of the momentum that they've been able to build. But man, Pablo, this feels like this is really gonna potentially shake the boat.
5: Yeah, you know, I, I tweeted last night, could sort of see it going one of two ways. I mean, you, you could see this just being this massive distraction that tears things apart, but you do see situations like these in global football, if you will, a lot of times galvanize locker rooms, you know what I mean? Um, I would said if I was a coach, not that I am, but I mean, I think you'd basically just walk in and tell, tell the players, listen, go out there and perform for yourselves, for each other, you know. Um, obviously, being attached to this franchise right now might be kind of a, problematic thing or to you know any number of coaches we've had recently but you know you're professionals you have careers obviously this can't affect things I mean it wouldn't surprise me at all if if the Revs went on a run at this point I mean they are um an incredibly talented group of players two years ago uh where you know some would say arguably the greatest team in league history certainly set a record for most points um so I'm you know I certainly like you know, strangely enough, I don't think I'd bet against the revolution at this point. Um, You know, it's, like I said, I mean, all this could just prove to be a motivator, frankly.
4: The thing that, the way that I interpreted, for example, Gustavo Bo on his Instagram posted kind of like a farewell farewell Instagram story to to Bruce, Mm -hmm. despite it, it just feels like if they knew or they had a little bit more clarity he wouldn't be so warm to to Bruce Arena despite insensitive comments or in spite of insensitive comments. And he said goodbye to him. It's like, it feels, Pablo, like the team wanted Arena. They They felt that they were on the right track, naturally. Look at their standings, that they were on the right track with Arena. We spoke to Omar Gonzalez here on Morning Footy and we asked him about it. And it just felt like everybody was wanting to be on the side of destiny where Bruce Arena was still their coach, so that must affect the mood internally.
5: Yeah, I mean, look, we did a lot of reporting around this. I feel perfectly comfortable saying that the bulk of that locker room wanted Bruce to stay, hmm. even after all this, right? And um, it's it, this is, for all of us, even in the media, a tough one to talk about when, you know, we don't know specifically, conclusively what Bruce is alleged to have done, right? We've, we've all heard stuff. It's just that the bar for reporting something like that is so high that, you know, it feels unlikely that that's going to get out. But I mean, look, uh, you know, people on Twitter or in the media can sort of say whatever they want. But, you know, the sort of the, the atmosphere in the locker room is something that's sort of difficult to understand. And the things that people take offense to, the things that, you know people consider you know a fireable offense that kind of stuff it's it's like sort of a gray area in a locker room right i mean a lot of those players probably were not offended by things that bruce were saying other people maybe rightfully were right i mean there's an entire version of the story and at this point i'm just speculating where you know bruce may have said something truly reprehensible and richie williams may have been entirely justified you know, whatever his involvement was in this investigation and, and raising those concerns, right? So, but I mean, I you know, to your point, um, Nico, I I personally hadn't, you know, I haven't spoken with one player in the refs who didn't want Bruce back. Hmm. Um, I think that's very typical, you know, Bruce, uh, despite all his flaws, he is obviously a blunt person. He has a reputation for, I don't want to say speaking out a line, but I mean, saying things that many people wouldn't, right? He's also kind of the last real man manager in MLS. I mean, all those guys on the Revs and all those other teams have always known exactly what their training hours are, exactly where they stand in his eyes, good or bad. I mean, many of the games that other managers play, Bruce has never been the type to to do. That's sort of why he's been so successful. Um, You know, despite his sometimes open disdain for tactics and the sort of more progressive aspects of the game, you know, there's a lot of people at the revolution who are pretty disappointed that he's gone right now.
2: Gosh, it's just such a wild,
5: wild situation. And it just keeps
0: getting more and more mysterious.
2: I know, and there's still so much that we don't know. Uh, Pablo, thank you so much for, for joining us today. Keep up the fantastic work. We look forward to following the story further. Thanks, guys. All right, guys, we are going to take a break. We are going to chat some Euro 2024 qualifiers on the other side. Stick around, we'll be right back. Welcome back, Euro 2024 qualifiers happening yesterday. Here's a look at the notable results. Spain absolutely thump, Cyprus 6-0, Switzerland get the 3-0 win over Andorra. Austria beat Sweden 3-1, Norway the 2-1 win over Georgia. This is a big one, Italy 2-1 over the Ukraine. North Macedonia, 2-0 over Malta, and Belgium get the 5-0 result over Estonia. So the game that we were probably watching the closest was that Italy-Ukraine game because following that 1-1 draw with North Macedonia, I think most Italy fans were starting to panic a a little bit. And considering where they were in the standings, those three points were absolutely invaluable. They needed a win, and they got it. They got yeah. it. We had Marco Messina on the show yesterday. Um, and one of the guys he pointed to, Davide Fratese, really delivered in Ball this down. one. A brace for for him. And Alexis, you actually watched the match
0: mm. with,
4: the full experience. With
2: Marco, I'm dying to hear about what that experience was
0: like. I mean, I've hung out with Marco before, good friend, known him for a long time. Uh, the experience is really elevated though by the cast of characters that he surrounds <laughs> I himself with. In particular, <laughs> it's like a couple of just like retired like Italian-Italian dudes like from Italy who hang out in in this studio of his and one guy was actively rooting for Ukraine the whole time because the Italy team... Is filled with Inter fans, and he's a Milan fan, oh, and the Derby's coming up. So he didn't <laughs> want gosh. he didn't want Inter players <laughs> wow. to arrive into this derby so, with confidence. Yeah. <laughs> That's the insanity so involved.
3: When Suze was saying that Italy was the fans are pushing the panic button, I think that just seems like a normal normal thing. The Italy fans just pushing a panic button. I mean, there was a lot of this. You know, it's like up there was and
0: down a lot of and this and happening <laughs> yeah. at the screen. Yeah. A lot of this with yelling in the language I don't understand. Although I could pick I could pick yeah. out what they were saying, and I wouldn't repeat it on this show yeah um but probably was. I, I think one of the things that you get even from being and one of the reasons why I went is I wanted to immerse myself with Italian fans to see where is the level of it it's not just panic it's almost like slight disdain mm. and, and it's starting to feel a little indifferent towards this team Interesting. and I've gotten it in pieces elsewhere and one of the things that you find is there just seems to be a lack of Comfort. There's a lack of confidence almost in the ability to de- have developed players and sort of the, uh, the squad that they have to pick from now. We were talking a little bit about uh, the starters up front. Obviously, Ciro Immobile comes out. Uh, Spalletti uh, puts in um, Raspadori, if I'm not mistaken, as, a, mm-hmm. as, uh, yeah. as your striker. And even then, we were actively all having this conversation of how is this the best that this nation can provide up front? How is this a nation that you said yourself the other day has a rich footballing history? What are the powerhouses? 2006. And one of the guys they have, the backup, is an Argentinian, dude. Uh, Who is it?
4: Sule? (laughs) No, Retegui. (laughs) <laughs> I, that, I think, is just very symbolic of where Italy is at with their player development, that they have to go to Tigre in Argentina. Not Boca, mm. not River, not San Lorenzo, not Independiente, not Racing. Say the whole thing. <laughs> well, I'm giving you five big teams. I can keep yeah, on naming yeah. names. You go to Tigre. Retegui was very good at Tigre, but the fact that you have to go to Argentina and find somebody with an Italian grandmother to make them Italian to play for your national team just speaks volumes. Usually when they're doing that, they're finding Mm world-class dual nationals, like Mauro Camonaresi, for example, who's half Italian, half Argentine, for example. Yesterday was a a good moment for Italy, Mm -hmm. moment, because they're not out of the clear at all. It was a win that they needed to, to get. Now they have seven points. They're tied on seven points with not only North Macedonia mm-hmm. but Ukraine as well. There's four games left in order to qualify. This is going to be very difficult for Italy. It's it's going to be game by game, stress by stress, suffering by suffering for four uh, for the next games. Yeah. Um, so they put themselves for, in a good hole. for them. They put themselves right. in a hole. For if sure. If we're going to take some positives, Spalletti gets his first
0: win. You saw him sort of engage a lot from the sideline. I now I had people around me who could understand what who could understand what he was saying, you know, because they oh, understand yeah. Italian. And a lot of it's like, why would you give up the ball? So even he's got questions yeah. during the game. <laughs> um, but you're looking at it here, man. They skipped over uh, um, Ukraine. They're, they're sort of like you said, they're not in the clear by any stretch of the imagination, but they beat a Ukraine which was able to to play well against England, mm-hmm. and you sort of set yourself up for if you continue to progress and play well, and the Spalletti system starts to starts to come in, maybe you're looking at better. But again, you're looking, I mean, yeah, they had 22 shots, and right. you walk away going, wow, that's incredible.
4: Two of those were big chances and that's it.
0: yeah I, And I one like was gifted it, to
4: them. Mm. It, this is the, not good. A Ukraine center back or whoever it was that passed the ball to to, to, who was it, Raspadori it was, and Raspadori I, laid it off. To, I think it was Kristoff, if I'm not mistaken. Man, it, was, it, it
3: should have been four. Really I, I think they had two other chances where they're in a really good position. They shoot it over the net. Like There were moments where I remember Grello was here on morning foot. He showed some tactics of Spalletti and what he did in Napoli and how this team was really uber committed to getting numbers behind the ball and then when they go forward they're aggressive in their attack. I, I kind of feel like we saw both of those things. Really high committed. A lot of numbers forward. But it, maybe, Nico, it's the same feeling we get from this USA game. But for them, this is a big qualifier, right? Like you, you feel like this should have been four to one. This should have been yeah. five. Maybe you don't even give up a goal. Like the the, the goal that they give up. Yeah, just felt like there were some good moments in there, but the 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 standard is so high. Just
4: like the goal you give up against North Macedonia, there's little details where you can't slip up, and sometimes they become a detriment to all the effort that you put in. And
3: And even late, there were moments where it was like, ooh, you might give up another goal here.
4: (laughs) It it, it was to the wire. And and it will be to the wire. The next couple of games against Malta, expect, Italy has to win. I mean, mm-hmm. I w- Come on. Yeah. they will win. Yeah. I, none of us here, anybody in the world shouldn't accept anything but three points. But then you have to go to England at Wembley, and then you host North Macedonia, and that's going to be a big decider. We'll see where Macedonia is in the standing if they can still qualify, and then the last game is against Ukraine. I'll at Ukraine. I, I don't know how to rate fan base, but I will say that like how fan
0: emotions. I'll say this: I brought a hundred dollars worth of Italian pastries from this super old-school Italian pastry shop near me, Court Pastry Shop. Shout, shout, check them out if you're in town. A uh, bunch of cannolis, bunch of stuff. In the beginning, everyone was like, "Oh, cannolis! Oh, look at this! Stress- Thank eating. you so much." At the end of the game, they're like, "Give me another cannoli!" Like they were very <laughs> upset. <laughs> they still weren't happy even with the win. You know, it was yeah. like very angry eating of beautiful pastries you know what I mean and that just goes to show a win a needed win and there's still a lot of questions about this team. It was
2: yeah nothing's guaranteed for this Italy team at all but that was a massive massive three points for them all right we're going to take a break we're going to chat some CONCACAF Nations League when we return we'll be right back. Welcome back, here's a look at yesterday's results from CONCACAF Nations League. I have a special request from one Alexis Guerrero to focus on (laughs) a a couple of teams. Cuba, 1-0 over Suriname. Let's go and check this out. Puerto Rico, 5-0 over Antigua. Jamaica and Haiti end in a 2-2 draw and a big win for Honduras who get the 4-0 win over Granada. Let's get to uh, some highlights, shall we? Starting with that Honduras match. Pick
4: it up here. Yeah, in this was probably the golazo of the night. Uh, Luis Palma assists. Edwin
3: Rodriguez wow. pulls
4: out a bicycle kick out of seemingly nowhere.
3: Set himself up. Does Jeez. he get an assist
4: wow. for it, too? <laughs> he <laughs> should. <laughs> Good point. And then we were talking about how important Choco Lozano needed to be for Honduras in the box clinical finishes it off when there were so many doubts about Honduras they came up with a really big win 4-0 this is Luis Palma uh, as well assist by Choco Lozano and into the back of the net Honduras after losing the first game to Jamaica they get three points and are in good standing for the next window
2: big big win okay let's move it over to that Jamaica Haiti match
3: 11 minutes in just dominating here Lucius Finds his way behind the, de- the defender, puts them up one to nothing. And then Haiti's like, oh, we haven't had enough yet.
0: Can we do it? Can he do it he again? He did it he again does. within
3: <laughs> three minutes. But Jamaica had an answer. It took him a while. And a little help yeah. from the defender there, an own goal. But this is the difference maker here. A shot on goal ends up hitting off the hand right. There, the outstretched arm, that's a pen, guys. Reed steps up, converts. Two to two, what a comeback from Jamaica.
2: I know. Yeah, I know. Were you, sur- pitch, were, were you surprised yeah. at how they started this match? Remember? Or the way Haiti started this match? Yesterday, what was the bigger? I asked surprise? Charlie
4: if there was any world, do we see any world in which Haiti gets a result against Jamaica? And he thought there was a possibility. I didn't. I thought Jamaica was going to be too strong for Haiti, but hey, look. Yeah, completely both of the,
0: surprised. Both of the Jamaica goals were gifted. Two Jamaica goals. One was an own goal uh, by a Haiti penalty. It's an own goal. And the other one is a penalty with an outstretched arm. I mean, Haiti had a shot. If yeah. they would have kept it tight, if they would have played a little bit better defensively, that could have been theirs.
3: And that that's typically their go-to, right? Mm-hmm. I think getting two early goals, you're thinking, oh, Haiti... Haiti came up to came out to play. Can they just hold this lead now? Jamaica with the majority of the possession, but only created three big chances. And, and as you said, two of those, the, both the goals are not that they created something masterful. It, it's an own goal and a pen. So things to look at there for Jamaica. Because, yeah. I, I mean, good for the comeback. You, you have the mentality to come back in, in, in all those things. But, but the way you're thinking, how, how do we start this game better? Because that is not. <laughs>
2: what you were thinking was going to happen with Jamaica at home. Not at all. And they came out early. Uh, Yeah, but in the way that we have spoken about Jamaica is that they are the the clear frontrunners in this group. In fact, let's take a look at uh, the standings for League A, Group B. And this is how it's all shaping up right now. Uh, Jamaica, Cuba, with four points, Honduras, Haiti, Suriname, and Grenada. So, essentially,
4: Jamaica and Honduras has control of their own destiny. I'm talking about the, you look at these teams and you mentioned the bigger standing teams, which are Jamaica and Honduras. Honduras plays Cuba back-to-back. They play each other twice in uh, the Nations League, which is a little bit strange. But if Honduras, they win and they draw, if they don't lose, essentially, to Mm a Cuba, you expect that to happen. You would expect Honduras to win. You expect it to happen. The games are... Much more difficult when they're on the field as yeah. versus how we talk about them.
0: <laughs> no. right? And what we've
3: seen
4: oh, what in this group about? is anything could possibly happen anything. in this group. <laughs> and so. J- Jamaica has it pretty easy. I'm pretty sure they played Grenada once, and I'm not too sure who's the other team. But I think it would be catastrophic if Jamaica and Honduras don't make it out, especially for, for CONCACAF. Yeah. At the end of the day, mm-hmm. you want the big teams in CONCACAF to be representing
0: the region, yeah, but Nations League is about building, you know, some of these smaller nations getting an opportunity to start to build and build and get better, as opposed to just having random friendlies. Get an opportunity to be a bit more competitive and build the football, you know, culture within some of these nations. So I think this would be huge for Goa if they were to make it through, uh, and I'm pulling for you guys.
3: Sounds like it. Shocker. We we
4: just got it. Now we got a (laughs) Our plan is intact for the British Virgin Islands to make it to the to League A.
3: You did double finger cross there. Yeah. Yeah. As you said that. No, it's like you were wishing (laughs) it as you were saying. Yeah. We want to take (laughs) morning
2: hoodie to the Caribbean. (laughs) Well, is it on a Wednesday because (laughs) I'll be there?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Let's just take the show to the next Turks and Caicos match. (laughs) That's
2: exactly
5: what I'm talking (laughs) about.
4: Foreign Nations League. Remember when the U.S. played? Was it Cuba? When I was working for Univision, Cuba didn't have a FIFA-regulated field, so they took the game to the Cayman Islands. And I went with Mikel and Marcelo Balboa for a Nations League game to the Cayman Islands. I was being paid to go to work to the Cayman Islands, and we were the only press at the game. The US ended up winning the... Oh my goodness. Let's try to find the press conference. It was me and Berhalter, just (laughs) us two, during, during the press Intimate conference. Intimate
2: conversation. Because yeah, everyone was at the
4: pool bar. It was <laughs> the most, We. I was really Best trying not to laugh. Best workshop trip have ever had? Best work I've ever had. And Berhalter g- was trying not to laugh because it was just, <laughs> I had to be there asking <laughs> questions. It was one Oh, on we've got to
2: find this. Oh, come on, <laughs> producers, oh you gosh. guys can find anything. you've got it. Mean, it you exactly. We've got to neck. find this. We've got to so. find that. That's sounds yeah, We both kept it together.
4: Very professional.
2: Wow. Super jelly about that one. We're going to take a break, we're going to chat some CONMEBOL World Cup qualifiers when we come back.